Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Now, Frank is with me on the programme today because, um, Frank, you have a story of hope that you want to share with listeners on the programme. And you might take us back, maybe, Frank, to, um, to this time last year and just tell us about your experience. Yeah, well, I suppose, um, yeah, I was going through a very difficult period. Um, mental health issues uh, are something that you know plagued me for most of my adult life. And I'd become extremely suicidal and had decided to commit suicide. But luckily enough, my wife, after nearly an intense 24 hours of um, talking me down, basically um, got me to go into hospital. And I, I presented myself in hospital. And I spent two weeks in a uh, psychiatric unit in Blanchardstown, another five weeks in St. Pat's. And look, I'm, I won't say I'm out the other end, but things are much better. And I suppose... Uh, you know, everyone knows so many people that are suffering with mental health mm. issues and everyone knows someone who's been impacted by suicide. And I just wanted to kind of, you know, put out that message that you can turn it around if you get help. Um, and, you know, life does get better. Yeah. Uh, I suppose one of the one of the two things that were said to me that really resonated with me were uh, like suicide is a, a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And, you know, I know a lot of people would say committing suicide is selfish, but I think when you get to that stage, you truly believe you're doing, you know, your family, friends, etc., a favour. But I suppose while you think the pain is going to die with you, all you're doing is transferring it on to your loved ones. So I think that was something that really um, resonated with me when my consultant said that to me. Um, But like, that's what I was trying to achieve um, by putting out that tweet and and the podcast with it. Um. When did you first notice, Frank, I suppose, that, you know, just you, like, you just maybe, you'd know, not necessarily a change, but just that, just the, when did things take a change last year or there was a turn? That oh, you, you, like, oh, this this had been building up for um, a few years, really. Um, you know, um, you know, family relations weren't great and then you, you go straight into lockdown and I suppose I had a history of... Um, you know, mental illness and suicide attempts in my, my younger years. Um, but I suppose when you hit lockdown in particular, with nowhere to go, and all of a sudden you're not seeing anyone or doing anything by working, um, it just, it became very easy to fall into that trap. I think, you know, when you're looking at things to help yourself, you're looking at get outside, get to the gym, meet people, be social. But then with lockdown, you couldn't do any of that. Um and it became very difficult. Mm. And then even when things were easing, you know, you almost built up that that habit of going over and doing nothing and isolating yourself off from the world. Um, so all so those, quickly deteriorate, yeah. Yeah, all those little, you know, the avenues, I suppose, the, the outlets to chat and to engage with people. And just as you said, to get out of the house, Frank, you know, when, away from the work right. desk, when, when all of that's cut off, it's... Oh, yeah, it makes it very difficult. Like, I... Um, you know, it's been a lot of time at work and next time I was doing lots of hours from home and you're logged into a Zoom call all day but it's not the same, like, not that you need to be in the office every day but like one day a week or even one day a fortnight would have been enough just to have a few chats with people um, and when I'm in the office now you know, that's a great help but when you're at home then it's very difficult to pick up the phone and, and ask for help or just have a chat with someone to tell them how things are going when you don't see them. I think it's a lot easier to have that sort of conversation in in person. Mm. Um, something I found in a 
the the conversation that you had um, with your wife Frank that you mentioned a few moments ago, where she you know sat you down and had a discussion with you, and 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 I suppose is convinced the right word, you know, um, you to go oh, to. A hundred percent. That's why. Like, yeah. I'll, I'll be perfectly honest. Like, I am. Um, we were having a tiny tiff over something. I, I don't even know what it was, and we were down in Wexford for a few days. Um, and having a little holiday and I just said look we won't have to deal with this from next week because I'm going to hang myself when I go home and I had my mind made up I was going to do it when we got home to Dublin and um, obviously she got really upset she rang her parents who came down and you know they were like snap out of it look what you're doing Um, but I think you know what I explained to them afterwards is it's not just you know a mood you're in that that time you've completely convinced yourself you know that your life isn't going to improve that everything is disaster you're looking at everything with the glass half empty and you believe you're doing them a favor um and i suppose like that was a saturday afternoon and she spent all the rest of saturday and sunday morning trying to convince me to go to hospital and i suppose we have a young son um he would have been you know one and a half at the time and i suppose that was kind of what hurt me and, and made me go into hospital was to get better for him yeah. um but it can be done as i said like i suppose people look at me and you know sometimes people who are interested in horse racing might listen to you know just talk about horse racing and um, with the work i do and you would think i'm the last kind of person who would go through this sort of thing you know i'm well able to chat um pretty social but it just goes to show that I think people who are suffering with this sort of um, these sort of issues become very good at hiding it and masking it. And, you know, sometimes it's no harm in asking people mm-hmm. a second time how they are because your automatic reflex is just say, ah, I'm fine, I'm grand. Um, but a lot of the time you wouldn't be. When when you went in into hospital, um, Frank, and you know, when initially into hospital, and and then you talked about you know getting um access and services and and treatment, like, is, I, I, is it an experience that's you know is it difficult in terms of resources or wait times or actually getting to speak to see you know like what's your experience of that? I it's, it's not easy. Um, like so, I went to Blanchardstown initially, um, into the public system and. Uh, the nurses and doctors and stuff they're excellent but they didn't really have the resources to help they're just basically managing you so I suppose the reason I got taken straight in is I effectively said if I don't get into hospital mm-hmm. I'm going to end up killing okay. myself um so I was taken to the unit and like what was difficult is again in the middle of COVID you weren't allowed any visitors you're locked in a ward of you know people suffering from a range of um, mental health issues um you know it wasn't great. No, to be fair, the nurses were doing great work with me. But I was just waiting for a bed in St. Pat's. Luckily enough, um, I had private health insurance and that was going to cover it. But when I say my wife would arrive St. Pat's every single day, two or three times, begging for a bed. And it still took nearly two weeks. Um, but the treatment I got when I got in there was great. Like My wor- worry would be is if you're suffering and you need to go down the public route, I'm not sure you'll um, you'll get the help you need okay. as quickly as so you need it. You know the delay the delay time and I suppose that like that's something that we you know we, we, we talk about an awful lot and we hear a lot about, but I suppose it's only when you hear Frank, you know, your real, raw, honest experience of of this um and trying to access services that, you know, a, a two week wait can be could be very detrimental. 
Um, like I, as I said, I was lucky. I was lucky enough to be in in the psychiatric unit, even though it wasn't the nicest experience in the world. Um, you know, but at the same time, you know, you were helped maybe yeah. get a bit of sleep, maybe calmed down a little. You know, just to calm you down and have you ready for when you did go to St. Pat's. Um, and from that side of things, it wasn't too bad. But like, if I was relying on that for the actual treatment to make me feel better, I'm not sure our medication okay. you know what was there for me I, I would have got it maybe in time but it's not like you know you can wait weeks or months or you know if you go back out into the real world without feeling kind of well the chances are you're going to be back in again and that's what I even saw when I was in St. Pat's most people well I won't say most there was a lot of people they were going in with the sole purpose of getting out rather than going in to get better if you know what I mean and there was a constant rush I need to get out I need to get out but you could see people coming back again and you know it wasn't just a one-off visit yeah. it was you know starting to come back two three four times and um I imagine well, Frank in taking that first step and when you had that conversation w- with your wife and then when you went and you you know you accessed and you, and you started in in services like is is that as even for you? Is that a turning point? Do you feel is there a relief? You know, even that comes with that once you've taken that first step. Uh, oh, most definitely. Um, like the one thing I would say is, when I was in St. Pat's in particular, like the responsibilities of the world are taken off you, and that like you know, I didn't have to work. Uh, you know, family life. It was just focus on you know seeing my doctors, maybe going to the gym, getting outside, exercising doing things to make myself you know feel well and I think if I tried to balance that with still living my normal day-to-day life I don't think I'd have been able to dedicate the time needed to help help myself get better um so it was a huge help and you know again it's not easy you know I got two 30 minutes um visits a week and when you've got a, a young a young boy like I had you know he doesn't understand why he's only getting to see daddy for an hour a week like but that's what I had to do um to try and get out the other end of it I suppose um what would you say to people Frank who you know maybe maybe there's somebody in a you know a similar situation to you and and your partner listening to you today and and they want to take maybe some advice from it or comfort um how would you advise somebody to or is there any way to advise somebody in terms of having that kind of sit down initial starting point conversation like it's very difficult like to be honest if I hadn't let slip what I intended to do I don't think we would have had the conversation like my wife's aware you know of my history and that yeah like I would have had numerous serious suicide attempts in my younger years in my 20s um but you know I got a bit of help then and, and turned things around but as I said things deteriorated then again and um, maybe starting four years ago but you know I think what you need to do is you need to, it might not necessarily be a partner, it might just be a friend Mm. and just maybe have a conversation. It doesn't have to be in full detail, but you can just say, look, I'm not feeling great. Um, You know, do you want to go for a coffee? Do you want to go for a drink? Have a chat and just make someone aware and have that outlet. Maybe come up with a plan of, you know, using exercise, gym, walking, whatever it is to get out of the house because it becomes it becomes too easy when you feel like that to just lock yourself away from everyone and everything. And that's then where you have even more time to think and it's normally pretty negative. So things can spiral rather than if you can try and do positive things, it becomes a bit more difficult. 
Um, but the other thing I would say is that there, there is it from the other side as well where um, where like there are things you can do. Like sometimes my wife, she, like her intentions are obviously good, but no, she, she's over like protective and overly checking everything you do. And I think that makes you then a little bit defensive and you, you don't want to share anything because you're like, oh, she'll just get worried if I say anything. Rather than I think if you can kind of trust the person a little bit and give them a little bit of space when they need it, I think it'll make that sort of uh, communication avenue a little bit better, if that makes sense. Yeah. It was interesting when I, I saw you talking about this um, because you've you've brought out a a podcast, Frank, as opposed to kind of to, well, record and kind of maybe document um, your experience to just try and raise awareness with regards to, to mental health issues. But I thought it was interesting you said, while I'll never consider myself in the clear, things are, are much better now. And... You know, that's, I suppose, a big part of the reason that I was interested in in chatting to you today on the show, because, you know, I think for a lot of people at, at any point in time, you know, it can be very hard to know what the next week or two weeks or next month brings and trying to get, you know, trying to get help or start that initial conversation. But like, you know, you, you when you look at maybe where you've come in the last 12 months, it's um it's, it's, a, re- it's a real story, I suppose, of hope, Frank. Well, that's it. That's what I was trying to get across that, like, you know, I was as bad as you can be. Um, yeah, fair enough. I might have been good at hiding it from, from you know, people at work and whatever, but my wife saw it. Um, and, you know, we were a matter of hours away from me doing something stupid. But at the same time, here I am a year later. And as I said, I'm not in the clear. I'm never going to be in the clear. But what I am is I'm aware of what, you know, I'm aware of when I'm slipping and I know what to do. I have a fair idea of what to do at least, um, you know, whether it be exercise, get out, take the little lad out playing. Small things like that mm. just, they just help put you in a good mood. Well, yeah. you know, I suppose what I used to do is I used to bury myself in work. I ended up working, you know, I'm on the laptop then 10, 12 hours a day and just going to bed. And, you know, that's not good for you either. So trying to have a bit of balance and doing things that, um, you know, no matter how bad I'm feeling, if you go out and see the little lad having a laugh, it, it'll perk you up a little bit. Yeah, of so course. That's kind of what I do, yeah. Finding the ways to, as you say, kind of manage it or finding those outlets again and avenues that have reopened even after COVID. How did you find um, documenting all of this and recording it in the podcast, Frank? Well, I'll tell you why it, why it came out first. Because, um, part of work is we do a horse racing tipping podcast um, every Friday with work and I was obviously missing for three months or more and people were messaging me going, why aren't I on the, on the podcast? And I just felt if I didn't, when I came back to the podcast, that if I didn't um, admit to people where I was, that I would actually be contributing to the stigma. You know, if I lied about it and said, oh, I was in holidays or I was up the walls at work. So when we came back to the podcast, um, I came out and told the other lads in the podcast that I uh, had been in St. Pat's and I'd been suicidal and I'd been going through a tough time and, what I'd experienced, because also the, the people listening were are mainly men between the ages of 20 and 45, and they're probably the most at risk of suicide. Um, so that's how I suppose it, it came out first. And then the podcast that I, I, I tweeted a couple of weeks ago was actually recorded a couple of months ago for work, uh, in-house at work. But um, I kind of wanted to get it out there because yeah. I thought it might help someone who's, yeah. who's struggling. Um, and that's all, like, as in... You know, I'm just trying to see if I can, you know, 
persuade help. someone to go get help if they're yeah, struggling for absolutely. yeah if they're struggling and need you or, or if someone can see someone like because to be fair I, I got an awful lot of positive messages I was just going to ask you of, that Frank yeah what kind of a reaction uh, did you off, get an awful lot of positive messages but yeah. I suppose what, what I would want to say is I really appreciate them but I would say to those people is take that time to message someone close to you who you think you might be struggling and you know dedicate that energy to them yeah um, and and that's what I would say um, because as I said in the podcast this doesn't discriminate and get anyone, no matter how much money you have, how successful you are, how many friends you have. No. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And, you know, you might think, oh, it, it'll never grab hold of me, but it can grab hold of anyone. Um, and, you know, it just depends on your personality. I'm quite impulsive, so I'm probably, you know, one of the people more at risk um, because I can do something, you know, stupid on the spur of the moment. And that's what I would have done in my early years. Um, in my 20s. Okay. But I like, see, yeah, so I was. I see a text in here from Paul in Limerick, Frank, and he says, Will you please tell Frank I was that person who went through the same thing? I'm in a good place now, I'm three years on, but I still know that I'm very vulnerable and constantly trying to find new tools to cope with mental illness. There's another text in as well just to say, Will you please tell Frank um, I'm really interested in listening to his chat today? I was also in St. Pat's on three different occasions um, for five weeks at a time. There's always light after the dark times, always, says this listener. And thanks to Frank for, for speaking out today. Do, do, do you get, Frank, like, do, I mean, it, is it, is it, it can't be easy, I suppose, you know, to, to or is it, you know, how, how did you find talking, like, just even just talking about it and, and being so open and honest about it? I don't, I don't really care what people think of me. Um, so if people want to judge me for talking about it, that's up to them, I think it would be, you know, a negative on their side. Yeah. Um, I think people need to speak about it because, yeah. you know, I've just had experience where maybe, you know, my family didn't want people finding out, you know, that I was in hospital after suicide attempts. Um, and even even my own wife was like, you know, when you come home, I'm going to have to learn to trust you again. And I suppose what I said to her was, if I was coming home after eight weeks of cancer treatment, would you say that to me? And it was, you wouldn't. And that's the stigma that goes with mental health. You're, you're implying or insinuating that you're in com- complete control of your actions. And the truth is, when you get to that stage, you're not. Yeah. You're not in control. And that's what people need to learn that. Like, I'm not saying completely, like, give people a free run. But you have to understand that there's a reason why I went into hospitals. Because I wasn't well. I wasn't thinking rationally. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm a rational individual most of the time. But in that period of my life, I was completely convinced that you know my friends family were better off without me and i know this is all what you've you talk about and and you've released in in the podcast as well to um and thank i just just want to say to you frank like it's you know it's 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 great to chat to you on the show and i i do really appreciate your time um and just your honesty i think you know on on the program as well today there's a lot of well uh, just wishes coming in from people good wishes just to say you know fair play like like i just hope if there's anyone listening here that they're struggling um reach out look even if it's a matter of you know, you don't want to go to someone, you know, I'm ha- my DMs and Twitter are open, feel free to give me a shout and point people in the, point in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. Like, that's all I can do. Like, I'm well, not a professional, I can't help people, but I can point you in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, just a lot of people texting in just to say, you know, well done to Frank on, on speaking out and talking about his experience and I think it'll certainly shine a light um, for, for a lot of people since this text or two. I should say, actually, for anyone listening um, to us, today. Uh, the number um, if you wish to contact the, the um, Pieta House, their free phone number it's 1800 247 247. A where's number as well, that's 1800 80 48 48 
and uh, the Samaritans number two they're free f- they're free from any phone number uh, contact detail is double one six one two three listen Frank thank you for joining us here on Lunchtime Live today Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan brought to you by Avant Money weekdays at midday on News Talk.